0: Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in Hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tecovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovas has first-wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tecovas store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey, what's up guys? It's Mike D, producer of The Bobbycast. I wanted to hop on here and share this episode of The Bobbycast with you guys because what we always do is we go through our messages, we go through um, anything we get tagged on an Instagram of people suggesting who we should get on The Bobbycast. And one I've actually been seeing a lot is Red Akins in which if you don't know, we've actually done an episode with Red Akins and it's a really great episode and it just kind of came to my attention that hey, maybe some people haven't heard this episode which it's really great. He talks about being a country artist in the 90s, what that was like and he has written like so many number one songs, like pretty much Every song you hear on the radio at any given moment, maybe Rene wrote it. And he talks about a lot of the stories behind those songs. He actually comes in wearing the boots that inspired Dirt on My Boots. Like, he was wearing those exact same boots and had the idea for that song from his boots. And he came in wearing them. Um, and then he also talks about what it's like to have a son Who's a big country star? He's uh father of Thomas Rhett. So here it is, episode one oh eight of the Bobby Cast with Red Akins. Check it out.
0: Alright, here with Red Akins. He's good to, can you not hear anything? Yeah. That's the trick of the podcast. We don't let you hear what's happening. We're we're making fun of yeah, the yeah. clips. Yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. You good? Yeah. What'd you do today?
2: I uh, I wrote today. Anything good? Man, that's a that's a question I can't answer anymore. You don't, I don't know have the difference a, anymore? I don't. No. I have my own I have my own version of what I think's good and bad, you know, from the from my all of my years of listening to music, but when it comes to my own, it's hard to tell because so, there's so many I've probably written close to 2000 songs in the last 10 years. And when I started, I really thought I knew. And then the ones that you think this is a Grammy. I mean, this is the best song of all time. It's still sitting on the shelf at my publishing company. And the one that you walk out of there going, it's all right. You know, nobody will ever cut it, whatever. Boys Around Here, nobody in the world will ever cut that. You know, <laughs> I've got, I've, it, 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 you just, I just don't know. I can't tell anymore. Yeah, the
0: boys around here. What there then. So you cut Boys Around Here and you go, I don't know. This
2: is another song of the day. I don't, yeah. And it, the demo was so whacked out. What'd you guys do on the demo that was different? <clears throat> craig wiseman built the track the red 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 redneck came from uh craig wiseman asked dallas davidson one of the writers on the song uh what he had done that weekend and Dallas said oh just me and my redneck buddies fishing or something like that but craig had the microphone rolling and and you know craig uh we didn't know don't even know this but craig's over there messing with the computer and we don't know what he's doing. Next thing you know, you hear red, 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 redneck. He had just taken Dallas's word from redneck and turned it into that. And, uh, the, uh, the bridge where he goes, Ooh, let's ride. That was, that happened because, uh, we had been there so long that I just leaned back in my chair and I went, hey, "Yawn," and Craig thought, that I was singing a melody and he was like, Oh, yeah, that's good right there. So what you got right there? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I yawned. And he goes, yeah, it was good. It was in tune. It was in tune. And so the, Ooh, let's ride came from me yawning actually. Um, and then Dallas had to leave. And so me and Craig finished the bridge and the rest of the song out. So the first half of the song is Dallas singing. The back half of the song is me singing. It's got the red, red, redneck, and it's got all these little ad-libs like, what, that's right, you know, all this stupid stuff. And I, and so, uh, Craig, we're packing up, and I said, no way on earth does this song get pitched until the redneck is out, all the little ad-libs, and Dallas has got to come back and sing the rest of the song because who wants to hear a song with half of it's me and half of it's him, you know? And he uh, he text me that night and I'm doing a Craig Wise imitation but or he called me and he said hey cat daddy he said uh, too late on that redoing the demo and I said what do you mean he said well already right, I sent it to Blake and he loves it you know so <laughs> that was it you know that's a song that I was like "Who who could cut this you know
0: and I guess Blake can
2: well, Blake's, you know, he's uh y'all are the raging idiots and he's the biggest idiot the big- of, of all. He's the ragingest, raging idiot that ever walked. So, But he yeah, can thank pull you, off the yeah. super
0: country, even the pop. Yeah. He can say, Blake has created that lane where he can say anything.
2: Blake can do, with Blake, Blake it just, I mean, I've known Blake since probably 2000. This is funny. This is true. I was, uh, back when I was on the road and stuff, I was booked by Buddy Lee Attractions. And so me and Joey Lee, who's the head of Buddy Lee, were in the parking lot. And Giant Records is right across the right across the road, and this guy pulls up in a truck. It's old truck, and he gets out, and his hair is literally to his butt. He's got a cowboy hat on, curly reddish brown hair down to his butt. And I asked Joey Lee, I said, "Who in the world is that?" And he said, "Ah, uh, oh, it's this new artist, I think, named Blake Shelton." And I said. I don't know if he can sing, I don't know anything about the dude, but he will never make it. <laughs> like, he was just, like, worse than, I mean, worse than Billy, Billy Ray never had hair like Blake had back then. And who who would have guessed, you know, 18 years later, if you ask a random person on the street, do you listen to country music? And they go, no. Do you know any country artist? Blake would probably be the first. Taylor Swift or Blake would be the two artists they would probably pick. You know, because he's just the voice and everything he's done is just awesome.
0: So you leave the studio now and you go, do you not even think about what you did because it's so, like for me, I'll go do a radio show and I can't tell if it's good or not anymore. Yeah. Because I do it every day. Mm-hmm. Like I do what I do and I try to do what I do to the best I can do it, but I, I don't know if it's good anymore.
2: I don't either. I, I wrote with Ashley Gorley and uh, Jesse Frazier today, two fantastic writers. They've written every hit in the world and we're just sitting there looking at each other and I was just like dude how can we how can we cook this potato any differently I was like we have baked it we've mashed it we cut it up and made french fries we've boiled it we've held it over a fire with a stick I don't know how to I don't know how to cook
0: this thing anymore it just to me it starts to be I have to just trust the process <laughs> yeah it that's for me my yeah.
2: whole my whole success is showing up and doing it you know I have to just show up and just, and just write because you never know what day in the world that that God's just going to drop that one in, that one in your lap, you know. And so I, I do it all the time. I,
0: what's the one to you? If I say, "Hey, what's that one?" What's, what's the one that f- that you put out that goes, "Man, that's the one I'm I'm proud of." And I'm I think the best, think the best com- on your headstone. There's only one song. The, the
2: best combination of melody and unique lyric, I think, was Honeybee. You be myself and sweet. I'll be strong and You'll Why are you be my this one. Glass of wine. I'll be it's a love and song that's yeah. written completely different than any other love song I've heard. We didn't even mean to write this song. Neither neither Ben Hayslip, nor myself even had this title. This has an Arkansas connection for you. Um, we're sitting there like we always do talking about Georgia football and hunting or something and you know we do for the first hour and we, what do you got? Nothing. What do you got? Nothing. And so I'm just thumbing through like a Music Row magazine or something, and I flipped to this page, and the governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee, was was in Music Row magazine. That I guess he plays bass. He does play bass, yeah. And he had come to Nashville and played on somebody's record, and it said Huckabee comes to town or something like that. And I misread it, and I thought it said I thought it said Huckleberry, and uh, I said, how about this title? How about Huckleberry? And, you know, he was like, what's that? And I was like, I have no idea. All, <laughs> I, all I know is that I heard it in the movie Tombstone that Doctor Holliday always says, yeah, I'm I'll your be, huckleberry. Yeah. And so we tried to, we fiddled with that for a minute. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't know what this is. And then uh, the I'm your huckleberry turned into I'm your honeysuckle. I said, what about honeysuckle? And he's like, okay, what's that? And I was like, well, if I'm, well, if I'm a honeysuckle or you're a honeysuckle, then what could be the opposite? And that's how honeybee came about in the in the title and the idea was so different that we knew we had to write it kind of funny because what romantic song are you gonna hear with a guy and a girl sitting there and he goes hey you'd be my mississippi and i'll be in louisiana you know and so we kind of had blake in mind i will say for that one we we sort of had blake in mind because again like boys around here who else can give it a be, bit of levity Someone's who can be witty act. witty and, and pull this off you know and then uh I remember playing the work tape for Thomas Rhett because I thought I didn't think it was that good, and uh, I was like, "Do you think we should demo this thing?" And he said, "That." He's like, "If you don't demo this thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with it." Um, and so we demoed it and sent it to Blake, and he he just flipped over it. And so that one I think is the best combination of of lyric, a cool idea, and a melody. I mean, I've had a lot of songs that the melody were great and the lyrics were like, eh, you know, lyrics are great, and melodies stock or whatever, it's not anything special, but that just seemed like that one just was everything in one.
0: When you came to town, what was the goal for you? be an artist?
2: Um, yeah, but I mean, a songwriter also. I mean, I guess always in the back of my mind, I, I was songwriter first, but I did want to be an artist. I mean, from the time I was six years old, old enough to know anything about music, Um I just... You know, there wasn't the internet or anything back then, so I just religiously studied album covers and had Kiss posters all over my wall, and I was just very. I stayed up late at night watching Friday night videos and night tracks, and you know, there was we didn't we couldn't even get MTV, and when we did, that's all I watched. So I just I kind of idolized singers from a young age and football players. I'm a huge sports nut too, but football players and, and musicians were. Like from Mars, and and that's where I wanted to go.
0: So you moved to town. And I, you know, when I was growing up, this is massive in my house. You know, I listened to US ninety seven and Kiss ninety six Hot Springs Water Rock stations. I mean, I can vividly remember this song on yeah. the radio. It's part of my childhood. Yeah, it's weird how that
2: one has hung around. I mean, you never know why songs.
0: I still play the song today on my show.
2: I know I hear it. I hear, huh. it, um, you know, I'll say once every two weeks or something like that. But I'll have people all the time go, man, I heard that ain't my truck this morning on, on the way in. I have absolutely no reason why. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of great songs from the 90s. I mean, super giant hits from Garth, Alan Jackson, everybody. And for some reason, that one has has hung around. Thank goodness.
0: You still have the itch to go and play these big shows? Oh, uh,
2: some. I mean, luckily for me, I, I still kind of get to do it. So it's not like I'm... Songwriter only I, because I go on the road all the time and write. Anytime I'm out with Thomas Rhett, he always brings me on stage and, and I sing that and maybe a song or two that he and I wrote or something else that I've written. And uh, I go on tour with Luke Bryan every uh, fall for the farm tour. Uh, the Peach Pickers do me, Ben Hayslip, and Dallas Davidson. And our primary goal is out there to write. We're right with Luke or whoever's opening the show. But we do, uh, we ha- we bring a full band. And so we've been opening for Luke since 2011. Oh, really? And it's freaking, it's it's really weird. Because, you know, most songwriters, they don't, I don't I don't think they, we get stuck in, in Nashville and we're stuck on these two or three streets on Music Road, but we don't ever go out and see what's really happening in mid-Iowa or somewhere. When you're out there on a farm tour in a field on a dirt road where literally half the people miss half the show because they're stuck, you know, you know but to sing for twenty thousand people the songs that that we wrote, and they just, we don't we honestly don't have to sing. I mean, they literally scream every word back, and uh, that's pretty awesome to be able to still get to do it every now and then. But I definitely don't want to be on a tour bus. Every so the itch can.
1: isn't
0: a constant itch. No, no, you no. You no, scratch it no. enough to where yeah, you're I did it
2: fifteen straight years. I mean, I was on the road from ninety five to about two thousand ten or eleven, and. um yeah, I don't have the desire to be on the bus every weekend, but I do like doing it. You know, once every six, you know, four to six months. I just went on the road with Midland like a couple of weeks ago. I went from I went to California for five days with John Party and flew to Ohio. Midland, you're talking about two two bands that wear
0: you out. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm a good friends with John Party. Yeah. Like I love that dude. He's he's awesome. And you wrote this I one. Might have a little dirt on my boots, I mean I'll that. That's the,
2: that song's a jam. It is, but I, that's another one that I walked out of there never, I didn't even think about it again when we left. The boots that I'm wearing now, the boots that I wrote that song, I've been wearing these boots since 2010. Um, and uh, we wrote this song like at 8 o'clock in the morning before we went to our real rights. <laughs> and, um, we, I mean, I was about half asleep and... and uh, We only had like two hours, couldn't think of anything to write, and I'm just looking down at the ground on my boots, and I'm just like...
0: The same boots. Same boots. I'm
2: like, what about dirt on my boots? You know, stupid, whatever, but we don't have anything else. And Jesse's track was so... but You should hear the demo, man. It's like banging. If you think this is banging, Jesse's demo was banging. And and we wrote it, and and you know, it's not a fantastic title or anything. Um, And uh, so I just walked out of there going, who knows, man, it's so hip-hop and... And pop, and it's called Dirt on My Boots. I mean, I don't know if you maldigged dig this. I really didn't think about it again. And I don't know. A few months later, they said John Party was going to cut it. And I've been writing with John since like 2009, like I. And he's just now, you know, really hitting it. And um, I was really excited that he loved it. And then right after I was excited that he loved it, I got really unexcited real quick because I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. John can't have the song." And they're like, why not? And I said, well, his biggest hit he's ever had is called Head Over Boots. That I, was the big deal. Yeah, that, I'm like, well, he's, I said, he's not going to cut. He's not going to. I said, even if he cuts it, he won't put it out. There's no way they will put out two boot songs on a record. And uh, Mike Dungan was just like, I don't care if you say boots 500 times. He's like, you want two back-to-back hits? for putting out Dirt on My Boots. And thank goodness
0: for Mike Dungan that he just didn't care. He's I, like, I don't care what they say. It's a smash. I remember John saying, yeah, we have two boot songs in our row. Like, <laughs> our next song's about to be boot." And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. And so, I, now nobody even thinks about it. You yeah, know, he's got it. a
2: song on his album called Cowboy Hat. And I think he just cut a song called Pearl Snap. And I was like, we're just going What do you want, belt buckle? You want, <laughs>
0: you, you want spurs? Well, what else can we do? you play ball in high school? I did, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a big sports guy, too. I did a national sports talk show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Played ball, of course, in high school, but... um like, that's my passion. Me too, to yeah. Music and sports.
2: I think every singer wants to be an athlete, and every athlete wants to be a singer.
0: I like to be either one.
2: An yeah. An athlete or a singer. Like yeah. A- well, I went to the University of Georgia, and I played in my freshman year. And, um, well, I wouldn't say played. I practiced. Did you walk on? I did. Uh-huh. My granddaddy played at Georgia in the 40s. We had season tickets my whole life. You know, I met Herschel Walker when I was 10. Um, for me... I grew up in Valdosta, Georgia, which is the winningest high school football team of all time. You can also, it. Valdosta State's pretty awesome, Valdosta too. State. Yeah. So, I grew up in a town where our high school quarterbacks were, were more famous to me than Terry Bradshaw or Roger Staubach. I could go see them. I remember I shook Buck Ballou's hand when I was, like, eight. And he was the um, Valdosta quarterback, and then he won the national championship at Georgia. And to this day, that's one of the biggest handshakes I've ever had was Buck Ballou when I was eight they were gods where I was from and then he goes to Georgia and then Herschel is a freshman and then you're 10 years old and all this is happening is from your hometown and it's your college team I was uh, I was like you know I was just as much an, an aspiring athlete as I was a musician but but a musician is something that couldn't happen and that was just there's
0: no way I could be a singer. But I could play football. So you thought you had a better shot to make a out of an athlete? Than well, another. who
2: could be a singer? I mean, there was no American Idol or YouTube or, or any way to even make it. I mean, I, I don't know anybody. No, I don't know anybody that can sing. There's nobody from around here that's ever going to do it. So that's out. I mean, I'll just be sitting on my bed playing
0: my guitar. So what, when did you life. make that turn, though, where you go, okay, I'm going to go try this? Because at one, some point you have to go – yeah i'm gonna take the shot well i
2: always played like i I took my guitar to football camp every year and i was always very good well i wouldn't say i was good no just nobody else could play so they thought i was awesome (laughs) um i'm very i was always good at listening i can't read music i was very good at listening to music and just moving the needle back and forth and you know after a little while i could fake anything i could play any skinner song or george Strait or whatever so, I always played, you know, at football camp and parties. Everybody was like, get your guitar. And and um, it was after I came home from Georgia and I moved back to Valdosta and I was working for my daddy. And uh, um, I ran into an old high school buddy. And we said we should get together like we did in high school and just start playing somewhere. So, we played at a little restaurant and at the Holiday Inn for, like, happy hour and stuff. And um, <clears throat> we did that for about two years. And it just kept growing and everybody – I mean – Kind of became a thing. Many like, people would come watch. Yeah, here. like Rhett and Hal are playing at the Holiday Inn on Thursday night, and I mean, it, it it was like getting packed in there. And I would throw in one of my own every now and then. Um, and everybody, you know, of course, when you're in a small town, everybody's like, "Man, you're better than Garth. Man, you're you know, you're as good as Alan Jackson. Y'all y'all moved to Nashville." And um, so, about when Thomas Rhett was right about two. We moved we moved to Nashville and just said, you know, thank goodness my parents and everybody were cool with it and uh I just said I'd rather go try it and fail than be ninety and wish I wish I did it, you know. Never would have dreamed, you know. I'd still be here doing
0: it. You always call him Thomas Rhett. Do You call him Thomas when you're not talking about him. No,
2: Thomas Red. That's his, that's been his name since he was
0: born. So it's he's always Thomas Red. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing you're just saying because we're talking about mm-hmm. his name's Thomas Red. Yeah, most people See, think I, his I last even, name is Red. You know? I, I don't even call him. I My name's call him.
2: Thomas Red. I'm Thomas Red Aiken Senior. He's Thomas Red Aiken's Junior. And from the moment he was born, it was, you know, it's kind of a Southern thing. You, you know, he's been Thomas. We call him Thomas Rhett since the day he was born.
0: So I call him T R. Right. Yeah.
2: I call him Tr sometimes. Yeah. yeah, but but it's mostly Thomas Rhett. Yeah, but most people that, that that don't know anything about me or whatever, they think that that his last name is Rhett, and so the funniest thing ever on Instagram or Twitter one time, the fans got into an argument about his last name, and they said one person said because Lauren's Instagram is like Lauren Akins or whatever, and they were like, I think it's so sweet. That Thomas Rhett took Lauren's last name when they got married. <laughs> <laughs> like he loves her so much yeah. that he ditched the, his last name Rhett for Aikens because his Instagram name is Thomas Rhett Aikens. But they don't. But they're like, what's the Aikens thing? His last name's Rhett, so he took his wife's name and made that his name. And then the next person said, "You're so stupid." They're like, they're like, uh, his 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 name is uh, his name is Thomas Rhett Aikens. Duh! His dad is Red Atkins. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've always been called. You know, every, nobody can get Atkins right. It's been Atkins since I was in first grade. But it was like, no, his name is Thomas Red Atkins because his dad is Red Atkins. I mean, it was the dumbest <laughs> argument I've ever seen on social media. But um,
0: was that a conversation you guys had to where? Yeah, you,
2: we, we did because, figure out your name. Yeah, he. Just, you know, I obviously there was Chad Atkins who started the whole thing. Then you had me, Trace Atkins, and Rodney Atkins. And now you're going to have, you know, Thomas Red Aikens, whatever, and, or whatever his name is going to be, you uh, know, Thomas Aikens. And I just said, dude, I said, not only do we have we called you Thomas Red since the day we were born, I just think it sounds cool. It sounds like a, a stage name, you know what I mean? It sounds like a cool name. So, And you're not going to get confused with me or Rodney or Trace or, or anybody. And, and so that they were cool with it. They were like, yeah, let's do that.
0: It's been interesting because I've been here long enough now to see him early, early, and then mm-hmm. see him now turn in. To the star that he is but also have been there since the beginning to where it's – we have a relationship because I I was starting too. I mean I was Mm -hmm. just a little junior turd. Yeah. You know right about the time he was starting to blow up. And so, man, talk about someone who is in five years completely turned into a superstar. Like that's the one where I go – I I watch someone go from a new artist to a superstar. That's the one.
2: Yeah, it's still weird to me. Like, I still don't believe it. Like, I like I don't I don't totally. I mean, I know he is one, but I don't. It's hard for me to think of him. I still think I can tell him what to do. You know what I mean? It's like, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. You know what I mean? I don't think of him as Garth. Or, I mean, obviously, he's not that big, but I still don't think of him as a, as a star. I still think of him as, you better be home by 11 o'clock, you know, whatever. or whatever. Or did you change the oil in your truck? You know, because if you didn't change the oil in your truck, you're not driving it driving it this week um it's weird to go on tour with him and the first show i went to last year on his first headlining gig was it was in illinois and when we pulled up to the venue i i could not wrap my head around that luke wasn't playing tonight i could not get it i was like these people like look at these people
0: they were there for him i mean
2: it was fifteen thousand cars out there you know, And his name is the one on the marquee. It's not Luke, Brian, and Thomas Rhett. It was like Thomas Rhett tonight. And um, I, was, I was like, this is this is weird. And what was weirder was going to catering. Because I'm used to going to catering and seeing Little Big Town or Miranda or somebody sitting over there in their sweatpants. And it was him. You know what I mean? I was like, this is your spaghetti? Like, this is- <laughs> <laughs> Are you sharing sure the sitting blakes? Like, you're paying for this. Like, you have a full-time caterer
0: out here. And um, it was it was just like nuts. What advice does he hit? you mean, you have over thirty number ones. So, what advice does he hit you up about when he's like, "Hey, help me out with this." Uh, it's different than it used to be. You know,
2: like when he first started, he didn't know anything about what's a publishing deal. What's a, you know, does this look right in my contract? What 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 is my manager supposed to do? Um, real naive questions back then, and now it's, you know, Dad, what song should I put out next? Or Dad, do you think I've peaked? You know what I mean. Like, he Thomas Rhett, he 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 thinks pretty deeply about his life and his career. And like, you think this is what God wants me to do? Like, do you think I'm not spending enough time with Willa? You know, it's it's like real questions. It's not because he's got his manager and booking agent and label, and he didn't have to worry about. He didn't need me to tell him all those things. He just like, Dad, when you came home off the road, like. Were you just exhausted? Like, was I bugging the crap out of you to play soccer or throw the football and you just didn't want to? You know, like, real, real questions about, especially since he has kids now. Life stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's pretty, I, re, I mean, we've always been really close, but um, it's really cool for him to finally, you know, now that he's a dad, that we have a relationship, like, on a different level. Like, we can uh, compare notes on, uh, on kids and things, you know. Do you see you
0: when you see him? Do you start to th-
2: Not as much as everybody else does. I mean, everybody, I walk in a room and they go, oh my God, you look just like Thomas Redder. They tell him, you know, you look just like your dad. Um, if I was 30 pounds less, maybe. <laughs> you, you know, but... Uh, because
0: I, I mean, you look at like an athlete. You, I don't see... Tr, I watch him box, and you know yeah, he
2: didn't he didn't gravitate towards sports as, as well as I did. I think one thing is when you grow up in the in the South, in a small town, especially like Valdosta, who's won so many football games, it's like what you do. I mean, it is like not even a question. You come out of the womb, you're a boy, you're playing football, and in Nashville, there's a thousand high schools here. Like I was so disappointed at every game I would go to see him play. There would be three hundred people at the game because Nashville is so spark, I mean, so spread out on a normal game for us. I mean, on a game that we know we're going to win fifty to nothing, ten thousand people in the stands
0: in every school. Friday night. I, I so I used to do play by play for at the time it was uh, Division Two. Yeah. so Valdosta State. Mm-hmm. They still may be. And they may, have, I don't know what they are now, but I used to do play. And we used to go down to Valdosta because I yeah. did play by play at Henderson State University mm-hmm. as I went to school. we played playing the same conference. Mm-hmm. So we'd travel down to Valdosta and we would just get crushed. Yeah. And we'd go lose 70 to 2. Yep. And it would be the most miserable thing calling a college game where you're getting crushed because there's nothing to talk about. When you're getting whooped, <laughs> there's nothing to say yeah. that you haven't said already. <laughs> and you're two minutes into the third quarter and you're down 55 to nothing. What do you say? And I that, know, that's yeah. my worst, that, those are my worst memories of doing. Yeah. Because on the road, since and I was was a paid play-by-play guy, and this is before I started doing, like, on Fox Sports, but I didn't have a color guy on the road because there wasn't money. I'd have a color guy at home, but they wouldn't send a a color guy on the road. So I do play-by-play and color, Mm -hmm. losing 70-2. to So I'm, all right, I formation, one to the left. Oh, a sack. Well, (laughs) that's the
2: 19th sack of the day. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, he didn't grow up in that type of situation. And so because, you know, high school football wasn't as huge – in Nashville as, as it was for me. He it just wasn't – he didn't grow up in that environment to, to, to die to play football. You know what I mean? And he also – Thomas Shrett, I could take a lot of abuse. I mean, number one, I played quarterback, so I got hit all the time. But our coaches – there's no way in the world our coaches from the 80s would have a job more than one day today.
0: They would get fired in one second. There's no way one my second. coach wouldn't. We didn't get water. They would say only no water on reward. Mm. Like you only get water when you earn it and that's exactly. – and now to even say you can't get water right. all the time would be ridiculous.
2: Dude, there were people throwing up. I mean, we would do rolling wind sprints, and people would be puking out of their face mask. And um, somebody got hurt. The coach would say, "You know, get off my get off. The, you're killing my grass, boy. Get off my field." Or somebody's laying there, and they go, "Move the just move the huddle over and run the run the play again." And, and uh, for some reason, even though I didn't like it, I could take it. And Thomas Ratt could not. He he had two his high school coach and his little league coach were rough and he just he couldn't he didn't like the the, uh, the verbal abuse of, of sports
0: why'd you quit playing ball?
2: Thomas Ratt came along yeah? <laughs> yeah was, well and I flunked out of school flunked out of school and you got a kid it kind of kills your football career but um <laughs> I, uh, um yeah I went to Georgia and uh you know, I was on the scout team. I played, you know, scout team quarterback, scout team. So were you having uh, to learn safety? the offense
0: of the other team every yeah. week? And- yeah. If we're
2: playing Ole Miss that week or whatever, I was I was doing Ole Miss, and I was having to tackle. Like, when I was playing defense, I was having to tackle Rodney uh, Hampton and Tim Worley, like guys that went pro. When I was on, when I was playing quarterback, Bill Goldberg was the nose guard. You know, it was like.
0: By the man. way, that's the wrestler for Yeah, the wrestler. Out there. They, yeah, yeah,
2: Bill Goldberg played at Georgia, and I'm I'm telling you, I got killed. So what was he like as a ball player, Goldberg? He's a beast. Like, but back then he wasn't as ripped. I mean, he was just more bulky, you know. But now he's he's
0: ripped. But when you would see him, WCW, because I'm a big wrestling fan too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in freaking Arkansas. We're talking yeah. all my favorite things: yeah, wrestling, football, music. Did you watch wrestling at all?
2: Did uh, well, I mean, yeah every every single Saturday night from the time I was seven till I was about seventeen. So if you if you know wrestlers from the seventies to about eighty seven. All that once once I got out of high school I was I wasn't I knew Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and all that stuff, but I don't follow it. Like but did I,
0: you watch the Goldberg era at all because you knew Bill?
2: Yeah, I watched the Sun, but I was like or I'm talking about Dusty Rhodes.
0: Oh, I remember I mean the American Dream was one of my favorites. Dusty
2: Rhodes, Rick Flair, um Lex Luger, Sting. Uh, Tommy Wildfire, Rich Junkyard Dog. I, mean, I went to those. My grand, like Mid South grandad- stuff. My, you yeah, about Junkyard like,
0: Dog? I would go to Memphis and watch. The well, we South had stuff. first. It was Georgia Championship
2: Wrestling, and then it became, uh, I guess, WCW. And my granddaddy believed it so, like, so much that the ritual at my my grandma's house was Lawrence Welk, the show. Yeah, the yeah. Lawrence Welk show, Porter and Dolly, and wrestling. And I'm talking about my granddaddy. there's no doubt that that Dusty got hit in the parking lot with a chair and he's out (laughs) like he took me to see Abdul the Butcher and Andre the Giant when I was 8 and then we saw Tommy Wildfire Rich the Junkyard Dog and the fabulous is it Freebird Fabulous Michael PSAs and then when I was about 17 we went to Tallahassee it was one of those huge like an all night thing where you had the smallest of the small and it was like uh who were the guys that wore the real college wrestling outfits?
0: The Stein Steiner Brothers. Yeah, them yeah. they
2: fought the Road Warriors. Yeah. And then it was Lex Hawk, Luger. Hawk and Animal. And, yeah, Lex yeah. Luger and Sting. And then the main event was Dusty and, and Ric Flair. And I remember touching Ric Flair's arm as he as he walked down the aisle to get to the ring and I was like, This that's the greatest thing I've ever done. And then and then I have Ric Flair's phone number. Really? Like I met him I went on tour with Brantley Gilbert, um, a few years ago and he played in charlotte and brantley came off the stage and as soon as we walked back going to the buses rick flair walked by and i literally tackled him i went woo, and i mean i went up to him and just bear hugged him and he wooed back and it was a, it was a woo contest for like it was like the wu-tang clan me and rick flair wooing each other and um Dude, we hung out with him all night, and he gave us his phone number, and I've texted him and, and called him a few times.
0: Did you watch the documentary? I did. It was awesome. Well, it was awesome and really sad. Yeah. I felt it was excellent entertainment for a mm-hmm. wrestling nerd yeah. like me. Yeah. I really thought it was fantastic, but, man, I felt so bad for him. Like, no real oh, yeah. life.
2: Oh, I know. But he was awesome, and I talked to Dusty Rhodes on the phone one time. A buddy of mine kind of knew him and had his phone number, and we just said, hey, and just, I, you know, I think I imitated him or something. I was, him. Like, you imitated I was like, him I was to like him. The tower of power, too <laughs> sweet to be tower. you know. But um, my, my, if I have a, uh, I wrote Blake Shelton's uh, new song, and the um, which it's, one? It's called "I Lived It."
0: Oh yeah, the one signed out.
2: On and yeah. the and the uh, the lyric in the second verse is, uh, "The old Duke boys were flattening the hills, Hollywood was fake and wrestling was real. Like we really
0: believed it, and my granddaddy especially believed it." Man, I could do a whole show on wrestling. Yeah. Like, I could do... that Andre the Giant documentary, have you seen the previews for that? I haven't, no. Oh, dude, it looks amazing. Yeah.
2: I still have a Nikita Koloff t-shirt.
0: Like a Russian... I've
2: got... It's got the Russian sickle, and he's just standing there with his fist up or whatever. My brother has a Ric Flair shirt. We kept. I have all my concert tickets, all my... T- I have, in a bin in my house right now, I have Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Waylon. I have every concert t-shirt I ever... Went and saw and all the ticket subs like I've always just been the most like I just idolize I've always just idolized music and
0: athletes. When I wrote my first book, I wrote a, th- a passage about Sting because I talked about things that as I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I preferred the blonde haired Sting more than the, right. the Raven, dump, yeah. whatever that ended up being. And he wrote me a nice note. The book got to him. He wrote me a nice nice note and sent it back to me. And the people that you see as a kid that were cool are always cool to you the rest of your life. Yeah, because for me, you know, I, I I'm friends or i acquaintances with these massive artists and they're just they're just folks mm-hmm. but i got on an airplane once with barry switzer and he was on a southwest flight and, yeah. I, sat, and I was the whole time i was like you got out of your mind he's a former Arkansas razorback mm-hmm. he's you know coached the cowboys coached oklahoma i don't really care about oklahoma right but those and sting the barry switzers the you know the garths those are the people that i really still go yeah oh that's that's it that's who I idolize. Oh, me
2: too. I definitely have my heroes. And I've met um I've met I've met all the people on my list. The only person I haven't met that I have to meet is Paul McCartney. But uh Mick Jagger is my all time I you meet him? I pick Mick Jagger over anybody on earth. I met him uh two years ago. And
0: I always try to not <clears throat> meet my heroes yeah. because I don't want to be disappointed. I mm-hmm. mean I don't think it's fair to put all of your hero hope into one meeting. Right, yeah. So, how did it go with Mick You know why I was
2: disappointed in Mick? Because I felt like he talked to me too long. I felt like that he lowered himself by talking to me more than one minute. It's you like, know what I'm saying? It's the old quote,
0: I don't want to be a part of any group that will have <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. So I you... was like, Mick, stop.
2: Like, <laughs> like, seriously, you you should have quit 30 minutes ago, or 30 seconds ago. Um, did you get a picture? No, because I couldn't ask him, Yeah, man. I just was,
0: couldn't. You don't want to run the too cool moment? No,
2: that I could not ask him, Um but Keith was taking pictures, and I went over to ask Keith if I could get a picture with him, and his bodyguard said, we got to get him out of here, dude. You know, So they kind of rushed Keith out. Um, but I met Greg Allman, one of my biggest heroes. I, I met him a couple times, and Hank Jr. is my biggest country. Yeah, we, we got to be buddies, and we fished and hunted together a bunch. Um, but Paul, you know, he's, I would love to meet Paul.
0: This festival and concert season will be all about the Boots, T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. .com. Decovis.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in Hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me, in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Okay, so uh, let me just ask you about the format for a second because I think this is something everybody talks about. Like, mm-hmm. How do you feel the country format is right now?
2: I think it's awesome because there's so many different, I mean, everybody's got a shop, man. I mean, I really do. It's it's from the most traditional to the almost hip-hop to almost pop, I mean, as you can get. There's literally, because I grew, I mean, I love it because I grew up loving everything. I mean, I love um, Hank Williams Jr. as much as I love Ozzy Osbourne and Bill Monroe and Run DMC. I mean, I literally grew up. Going to concerts and watching videos and buying records of everybody. It doesn't. It didn't matter who it was, if the song was good, I liked it. I didn't care, if, you know. And so I think the country is now. Country is, um, you know, branched out into so many fields. I mean, Thomas Rhett has pushed it. As, you know, he, he's on the line there. I mean, he's way over the line, but he's on. He's pushing against the next line, you know, almost. And then you got Midland coming in and going back all the way to the you know 70s country um you got Kane Brown killing it you got Luke you know that's that, that's still country as crap but but can rock and and pop it up a little bit I mean it's just I mean it's, you got everybody
0: so when someone says well that ain't country yeah I say that all the time <laughs> you know
2: I mean I still I grew up in South Georgia I mean my heroes were Hank Jr. and Waylon and Willie and those people, you know, and so yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's out right now is not country to me, um, from where I came from. But I love, me but I'm just not a, I'm not a country music snob like that because, you know, I, I would drive, I would go to high school and I'd have on a Hank Jr. T-shirt, I'd have Ozzy written on my fingers like his, and the knuckles like he had, yeah, yeah, and I'd let it you know kind of fade out like, anything I wouldn't wash it off so it'd fade just right. I, on my no I still, my mom still has my my notebooks. I'm drawing the Van Halen logo right here. I got the Rat logo written right here. I got Waylon's W right right here. I got Run DMC. I mean, I I can't say, you know, that ain't country, you know, because I loved it all. I still love it all. I listen to just as much hip-hop now as I do, you know, country. Um, I listen to pop.
0: People have always been saying, though, regardless of what the cycle is and whatever it is, that it's not country. Would you think, hey, that's fair? Was there? Cause I, I talked to Garth, and Garth said, hey, I, when I came to town, people were like, I'm not country. Well, well yeah,
2: Shania's the country's thing ever now, compared to you know what we were. But I mean, this the, you could have this debate for ten years. I mean, do you think Jimmy Rogers thought Hank Williams was country? I mean, they they didn't want Hank Williams to play on the Opry because he had a snare drum. You know, that wasn't country. You got to play doghouse bass, and that's it. Do you think Hank Williams would think that Waylon was country? Um, Buck Owens told me one time he said man he said you know how long it took me and waylon to make it he said they hated us because we played electric guitars you know because we were loud man and now i mean you don't think of anything but country when you think of buck owens or waylon um there's you know merle haggard wouldn't think you know garth was country and garth don't think thomas Ratt's country and
0: and Thomas representative won't think the next. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's it's, a, it's always my point is whenever I talk to magazines or someone will call and say hey what you I say hey it this this will always be the question for the rest of time. Yeah, it will be. It's always going to be the cycle and the question and the next I mean, one up isn't compared to the last one up. I mean Frank
2: Sinatra, you know, he didn't like Elvis coming along and messing up the flow, and Elvis didn't like the Beatles coming along and, and, and messing up the flow. I mean they're all jealous and they're all. You know, it's taking a that ain't real. I'm I'm, I'm sure that uh, all the jazz purists thought Frank Sinatra was not true jazz. You know, and yeah. if
0: it ever does stop, don't you feel like it's it's broken? Then if it ever does stop and just sit, and that's what I say a lot of times. If you if you want the same thing forever, yeah, you're just going to get the same thing, and it's not going right, to grow. Exactly. There's going to be no growth. I mean,
2: I am a snob in some things. Like I like I love old bluegrass. I want Bill Monroe. I want Stanley Brothers. I want ancient. The only new bluegrass that I'll, I'll kind of i really like like ricky skaggs doing like ancient tones and bluegrass rules those albums that's new but it's still the old i don't want to hear new bluegrass because that's what you grew up with that's what i grew up on i like i like and so i get it i mean i'm i mean i'm no different than any fan out there that goes that ain't country that ain't hip-hop that ain't what rock music is because i think you, you define what real music is from from what you grew up listening to you know, I you know, I love rap music, but I don't like it as much now as I did. That's what I was going to bring up. I, I wish think... that they were still Nelly and um Ja Rule and <laughs> I mean, I still wish that, that there were melodies and choruses in the song. You could still be tough. 50 Cent was still hard, but his melodies, but you got girls bumping it to 50 Cent, you know what I mean?
0: The hip hop analogy is great because people now older go, "Hey, that's, you know, the 21 Savage's, the post malone's yeah you know it's a mumble rap yeah, low yeah. yachties yeah they're going that's not hip-hop it's <laughs> it's not just our format where this is happening and some people do think it's just country oh country but it's it's every Man. single format
2: it was funny i guess i could say these names they wouldn't care it's funny uh this year on thomas Rhett's tour daniel bradbury and kelsey ballerini were out on the tour and so after the show we were all in thomas Rhett's dressing room and and um I was like, I want to be DJ tonight. You know, we always hang back there and crank music or whatever. And uh, so I was DJ that night, and I was playing nothing but Nelly. And, um, you know, 90s rap and 80s, Run DMC, uh, Houdini. I mean, I was playing like
0: – Oh, you were going old school was Houdini. I was playing yeah. what
2: I think is yeah, real cool. rap music. And Danielle and Kelsey were dancing, and they were having a good time. But, but finally they came over and said, can you play some rap? <laughs> and I was like, what do you think I've been playing for the last 30 minutes? They're like, Daniel was like, You play some Migos? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's like somebody going, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm playing George Strait all night, and they're going, Hey, can you play some concert? Yeah. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> it's a, it's it's a generation generational in all you know? art. Yeah. All art always evolves, and every generation feels their art is what's the truest, exactly. purest yeah, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that you're that anyone's wrong, but no. I do think that to think that you're right is wrong. Right. If that like I know if I go, wow, ah, that's not country. I'm not wrong. I don't think you can have a creative opinion that's wrong. No. But if I go for sure, I'm right about that not being country. I'm wrong because I'm not for sure right or wrong. Yeah. Well, we get into a whole philosophical I mean, thing just about all art itself. In the end, yeah. it's,
2: all, its all an opinion. But you know, there are—I mean. You got every avenue in the world to listen to what real country is, what you think real country is. You got it at the touch of your phone now, you know. And why if get If you want to only hear Waylon, yes, you can listen to whatever you want. Go listen
0: to Waylon for ten years, and people go, "Why would we make songs like Waylon?" Well, you, it's all there, and there are people that sound like Waylon too. All you have to do is do See, a couple I don't searches like that either. on the I
2: hate it when somebody goes, "Man, if you heard so and so, they sound just like Waylon," and I go, "What's good about that?" I mean, it's like we already like, had. It was like, why is that great? You know, like like friends of mine. You know, they'll go to some local bar and they go, "Hey man, I'm gonna send you this video. of This dude sitting up on a stool playing at the bar. Man, he sounds just like Alan Jackson." And I'm like, "But why is that good? Why didn't he sound like what his name is?" You know, that would that would impress me more than he sounds like Alan. You know, I mean, people like familiar familiarity though. I mean, I get it, but um. I just think nowadays you can just if you want to listen to old bluegrass or new bluegrass, just get on your phone and thumb. pick it up, man. But it, you know this is commercial radio. You know I write, I, you know I question myself all the time. I'm like, I mean, should I try to write a song for the radio or should I try to write something I really want to write? You know, what I mean, because I'm in the music business. But you know, people out there riding around in their car, they don't care
0: about that. When you say you wrote a song for the radio, what comes to mind? What song did you write for the radio?
2: I'll tell you a song that I didn't write for the radio was was I lived it. Blake's new song, we wrote that on the Farm tour two years ago, and we said let's write the realest song we have ever written, so country that no nobody that was born after nineteen eighty will get it. Nobody's gonna cut it. Let's just write it because that's what we want to write, and that's one of the rare ones that that somebody recorded and and put out. But you know, I mean, it's like you get we write a lot with tracks. You know, that we go in. I don't. It's not every day I, we just go on with a guitar or a piano. So we're sitting there, and obviously, if somebody's playing a track and they're twenty-five years old, majority of it's going to be sort of pop leaning, you know. And um, you, I mean, you just kind of know you like That's, that sounds like the radio. Or you you play something, you go that one. I don't know if radio would play that. You know what I mean? Because radio is pretty safe. You know, as 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 adventurous as they have gotten in country music, it's still pretty safe. And I mean, they. They want to know. They do a lot of testing. Oh, well, we do a lot of research. That's all, I mean, it's and a lot of And that's why I get research. into a lot of
0: trouble, because I don't do a lot of research. I just play whatever I Yeah, you've done great with that. Not all the time, because we do have, a, have a, someone that programs the music in mm-hmm. general, but I get to go, and my company now lets me just go on my own, and if I think its a yeah, song. Well, they trust you now, they, you
2: know? But what sucks is when you write a song, like Farmer's Daughter, that I wrote for Rodney Atkins, went to number three, because it didn't go one, because the San Francisco station and the L.A. station wouldn't play it, because. Not because it had cuss word in it, not because it was offensive, because it said feeding the hogs.
0: Because what people in San Francisco because they don't feed hogs
2: in San Francisco. I'm like, well, if you drive five miles out of San Francisco, they're feeding hogs. I'm like California is the biggest farm in the world.
0: You know it what I mean? That sm- see, I wasn't in the format then, so I, those little petty yeah. things like that don't happen. There was a
2: station in New England that wouldn't play that. Ain't my truck because they said nobody up there uh, drives trucks; they all drive cars.
0: And it didn't relate
2: to their fans. And thank goodness, I'm going to call her out. Lee Adams, who who was my rep back then, now is the head of Broken Bow Promotion. She went, she called every car dealership in New England and got their numbers, and trucks outsold cars. So like, she got like, data. She got data. She gave them receipts, the as they program. say now. She had receipts. Yep. She, called, she sent it to the program director in New England or wherever they were and said, well, <laughs> you're wrong about who drives trucks and cars. But I mean, so when you do this for a living, if I was just writing songs cuz I wanted to write songs, I was not getting you know, paid or writing for a publishing company. You know, I would write whatever I want cuz nobody's going to hear it anyway. But if you're doing this, you know, you're getting paid and, you know, it's like that that bothers you. You think about it. You go, "I really want to say this." But because San Francisco wouldn't say "hogs," can I put this in a song? You know what I mean? It's like is this going to deter Radio station for playing this is this going to deter, deter Luke Bryan from from uh, cutting this song? You know, so it's it is a thought that you have, and then some. You know, there's some days I succumb to it, and I go, "Well, I really want to say this, but I guess we'll say this." And then there's some days I just go, "Screw it! We're saying I'm saying what I want to say. I don't care if it gets cut or not."
0: What about this one? Because this is a really country song. Mm-hmm. Hunting, fishing. That was one. That was
2: one that Luke was really scared wasn't going to work
0: because it was two country,
2: two country, and hunting. Is you know is um it's just weird you know we just live in a different time than when I grew up I mean hunting I never once in my life did I think hunting was a bad thing until I moved to Nashville
0: and <laughs> me, and me either because we and I hunted a lot growing up yeah and there's a couple things I, I want to branch into is because I grew up and we I grew up poor and we ate it or we gave it away hey, to somebody four days a week or we and yeah. I, even with fish. We either ate it or we gave it to somebody that needed to yeah, eat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even with what's happening with guns now, I don't think the two sides understand because no. how I grew up in the South, guns weren't this amazing thing where we looked at them in fascination. Like people who aren't around who guns the their skull, whole life. Me too. Toe, you know what me, mean? me too. So it wasn't a guns weren't this thing from television. Right. They were really just a part of our everyday. Yeah. So it wasn't we're gonna take a gun and and go do something crazy with it because guns weren't crazy. Yeah. Times. I mean,
2: getting a four ten when I was ten years old First was the most natural had. thing yeah. on earth. It, I've never won, I've never questioned what I ate until I moved to Nashville. Because I'm fried chicken. I mean, I want to go to Sweats every day, which is a restaurant here in town. The soul food. I mean, I want to go to Sweats. I want to go to Arnold's. I want to. I want to go uh, to any country place. You know, I don't go to Virago and I don't go to big fancy restaurants here in town. I want fried chicken. And, you know, I'll drive through McDonald's probably on the way home. Um, but it's like you, you're writing with people from LA and and they, and they look at like they look at you like, are you crazy? You're gonna eat McDonald's? Like I'm nuts. You know what I mean? I've I've written a lot of in, in LA. <laughs> Y'all to see me in LA. I might as well just walk in and go. Y'all think I voted for Donald Trump? I know. I get it. Whatever. You can just look at me and you assume who I voted for, but uh, I was in L.A. writing with a bunch of pop guys and um, they were like, "Hey, we're going to order some food, you know." And uh, I said, "Where are we all getting?" They wanted sushi and you know, salad and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, hey, "Is there any way I could get a Snickers and a Coke and a pack <laughs> of Red Man?" And look, dude, I, I felt like I got, like, the next day when I wrote with different people, I hid my Coke behind my chair because I felt embarrassed.
0: <laughs> I was like... They were Coke shaming if, you? If
2: they think that I'm drinking a Coke, they, they like, I'm a bad person. Like, I wrote I wrote with Andy Grammer out there, and we went and got something to eat, and he got a salad and all this kind of stuff, and I ordered a hamburger, you know, and he was like, dude, I haven't eaten a hamburger in 10 years.
0: I think someone <laughs> like that, because I do spend a lot of time, and, and again, I... Again, I'm I know somewhere, I'm somewhere I know in the middle unhealthy. now.
2: I know it's not the healthiest food in the world, but, but I,
0: I grew up in that environment, and and like I, had a, I went from a 410 to uh a 22 to a 12 gauge to a 30 out six. That was the big one for me when yeah. I when I finally. But then I have friends that have never had any gun at all, and because they didn't grow up with them, it's this it's a it's a TV thing, yeah. And where if you're if you're not right in the head and you want a TV thing, you want to do TV things, yeah. And so I see my friends and they're so pissed off about what's happened with the guns. They're like, don't take. The, the guns, I grew up with them. It's not even a thing to me.
2: Yeah, when uh, my buddy Dallas Davidson, um, his wife is from Australia, and um, they had a kid a couple of years ago. And Luke Brown and I got together and said, you know, when she has the baby, let's come up with, with a cool gift, you know, for Dallas', Dallas baby. And um, the, for our first thought was, let's get him a gun, you know. And so I went down to this cool gun shop and bought a twenty two. Like a nineteen seventy, like a twenty two pistol, twenty two pistol, nineteen seventy, and I think Luke got him shotgun. Well, obviously he can't do any of this for 12, 15 years, but but Dallas's mother in law was just because she's from Australia, and I guess you can't have guns at all, and you know that's just not part of the culture. Like she was just almost
0: mad. I also, like, how
2: in the world, yeah, could
0: you think of buying my grandson a gun? And it's because the sides are so different that they can't <clears throat> agree on anything. That's the crazy part to yeah. me.
2: Well, when the as well, soon as you say gun control it's over. And the I, conversation is over. I think we've got to have a way because I'm not into I mean this this whole what's going on with these shootings and stuff is just uh, it's just unthinkable. How do you feel about like, us, I
0: hate it. The the the, oh, the big ride, cuz I'm not a big fan of people having these humongous I've never rifles. Owned one. I've, I don't think there's a need for it. I don't it. think
2: so either. I mean, I've never had I've never owned anything but hunting, you know, bow and arrows and shotguns and uh and a deer you know, deer rifle. I've never owned an AR or anything uh, like that. But we've got to have enough information. Both sides have to have legit info to be able to have this discussion because the first thing you think is,
0: they ain't taking my guns. And that's what all my friends think. They go, yeah. they're not taking my guns. Yeah. To them, it's a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. And so to people, I have other friends that live in Boston, for example. They don't know they don't, no, no, nothing about guns. Right, yeah. And so, again, to them, they don't think anyone should have a gun because they haven't seen it be a tool of everyday living. Yeah. And both sides create their own information. And what's happening is nobody does anything in the middle because if you give, then you're giving. And yeah. You, and we never come to any solutions because oh, both sides are so freaking dug in. Yeah. When the, real, the reality of it is, for me, because I'm one of the few that will talk about this. Rolling What do you feel about gun control? I said, first of all, I don't say the words gun control. I'll say gun education or gun uh, – anywhere you want to put, insert. I don't say control though because yeah. that has such a connotation. But I say let's imagine that I'm driving a truck down the road. Now, I had to get be 16 and pass a test to drive a truck. So I went to I took Hunter's ed. I did we did the, that in school. I did the things I needed to do to have a 410 or mm-hmm. a, a 22. Yeah, safe. I said, but I can't just go from my truck to drive a bus without right. some sort of education and proving that I know how to drive a bus. And I feel the same way about freaking weapons. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be able to get an AR unless you get the bus license. Right. And that bus license might be military, it might be, but I don't think you should be able to go and buy freaking
2: AR. Right, and we got to have more mental checks, too. I mean, there's got to be, if, if, a, if a, somebody... If you're a therapist or a doctor or whatever, and you know this person, something's missing. You know, with this person, this I think you've got that information's got to be somewhere where gun stores and places can see that. I think
0: they don't, and they don't care. Gun shows happen, and I've been to gun shows. And I, I'll admit, I've been to many gun shows, especially when I, I was younger. One, yeah. When I was younger, they'd pop up all over Arkansas, so I would go. Right. I didn't realize exactly how he, it, it was so everyday mm-hmm. that until you get away from it and you see others' perspectives. Yeah. And you go, oh, I get why people can just walk up and just take a gun. Yeah,
2: well, that's why the song hunting and fishing. We were all scared of it. You know, we were like, this is really us. We're not lying about the song. There's not one. This was a song that we didn't go, you know, maybe we should we should tone that down or what. Or, we didn't really say anything offensive in it, but it was just like Luke was, you know, like this is me, this is us, this is what we grew up doing, this is our lifestyle, you know. I'm an artist, and I want people to know how I grew up, and I bet how, that was a big decision, and huh? how my boys, you know, how I raised my boys and stuff like that. And so uh, Luke was like, "Uh, you know, boys, uh, this one might not make it to one, you know." <laughs> and, uh, it went to number
0: one, you know, but we really were thinking it might die at fifteen or something. You know, I got to tell you, I never, I never heard any kickback. I, I didn't right. from, from my position, a song that. There was a lot of thought put into should we can we will we, I never and I hear kickback about everything.
1: Yeah,
2: you know it's weird. This song and Dirt on My Boots are the two songs that I get nothing but dude. I love that song from L.A. writers and from people who don't who don't write songs that country. You know what I mean? They're like, uh, when that song came on, you wouldn't believe how many songwriters in town were like, dude, hunting and fishing
0: is bomb, man, and Dirt on My Boots is a is freaking. Awesome. I was talking to Katy Perry because I'm, I'm doing Idol this season. Mm-hmm. I'm a mentor. And so she said, I didn't know anything about Luke Bryan. I just knew that one song. Huntin', right. <laughs> what she, that, that was yeah. the one song she said she knew that Luke did was that yeah. she was like, I heard this one song and I didn't even think it was real. She goes, all I was like, huntin' and fishing yeah. and, love and, and she's like So yeah, that's the one. Even her. Like that's the one. But that, I
2: think that others, like when I, hear, when I hear a rap song or a rock song or whatever, I mean, why do people... Why did, why did young 17-year-old English kids in the 60s decide that a 60-year-old black man from Mississippi is what they wanted to listen to? They have nothing in common at all, but they heard it and they went, dude, that's real.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Keith and Richards I, talks about that specifically. Why
2: did Keith and Mick yeah. and Eric Clapton and Robert Plant, I mean, these kids have nothing to do with the South in America, and they and they they built their career on on these songs and i think you know when something's real i think when i think like there's probably a lot of people out there that they don't like country music but if they heard hunting and fishing they might not understand it they might not agree with it whatever they go that was real man you know what i mean they they didn't fake that i mean you couldn't make that up i think that's what draws people into other genres you know so um i was proud of that song because we were really scared you know that, that we weren't going be allowed to let the let those words be heard but
0: thank goodness it did i mean i gotta am obviously not gonna go through the whole library here but man you got a bunch of them i mean he's printing money you got money factory at your house or what you just you just send them out i don't spend any of it yeah are you pretty tight
2: i'm still driving well i did buy a truck last year but i still have my 2008 ford um that i take to you know hunting and stuff but i didn't want to I didn't really want to buy a new truck. The only reason I bought one is because uh, I researched it for like three months until I they got so tired of me that I think they sold it to me for like 10000 <laughs> less than the sticker to get rid of it.
0: You wrote this one. I was honestly surprised it wasn't up for song of the year. Yeah. I, I really was. I thought it should have been. It's hard to it say. It was a four-week. Yeah.
2: What I heard well, it was four and eight week number one, but it was, I think, more people in America heard that song this year than than any other. The audience impressions were were the biggest. Or Body Like a Back Road maybe was finished by the time this came out because nothing beats that, really, in audience impressions. But I guess for 2017, that song was the biggest. That was another farm tour song. Wrote it in the back of the bus in 2015 on a day that the farm tour got rained out. So we were sitting like uh, backhoes. I mean, uh, bulldozers were... Literally pulling the buses out back, Backstage And we just sat in the back of the bus And, and wrote this And um, I was uh, A little tired from the night before I just put one pass down On the microphone And I told uh, Kyle The guy who was uh, recording it I said um, When we get back to Nashville I'm going to put a real vocal on that You know, I'm going to sing it really good And all that Once again There's another thing like Boys Around Here Where it got pitched I didn't want it to be pitched because I thought I sounded terrible on it. And um, Dustin loved it. And uh, when he went to sing it in the studio, he sang it and the label and everybody were like, it's good, but it sounds too good. Like we've fallen in love with the demo and Rhett's lazy voice. Can you can you unsing it? And so when he went in the studio to sing it, he laid on the couch while he sang, while he sang this vocal to to make the enunciation be more lazy. And they just said, just don't care. Just sing it. You know, so that's weird how what I think sucks, other people like. And then sometimes what I like, other people sucks. You you just
0: do suck your stuff. Imagine the hits. Ross,
2: we were talking about our friend, Ross Copperman, one of my favorite Ross quotes. Um, He's a songwriter, producer in town. And um, I do the same thing with Ross. But hey, let me come back tomorrow and I'll re-sing that or whatever. And, uh, And Ross was like, well we started getting more cuts with my terrible vocal, what I thought was terrible, and I asked Ross I said, "Why do you think why do you think these people are cutting our songs when my vocal is so bad?" I said, "Is it you think because I don't care and maybe I'm singing it just with more emotion and I don't care if it's in tune and this and that you think they're like buying into my real natural singing voice better?" And he goes, "No, I just think they think it's bad and they can sing it better than you do." <laughs>
0: And I was like, "Thanks, Ross. I thought I had I thought I was pouring out my heart and soul here, but uh I was talking to Ross. I was with Ross over at the house, uh, his place before I came over here. I said, "Hey, you know, I don't I don't really know Rhett. we've we've met in passing a couple of times very briefly. I don't really know him. He kind of looks like he he beat me up, like is he Was he nice? He's like, "Oh, he's the nicest guy. Dude, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's the nicest guy. You're going to love him." And I was like, "All right." Yeah, right. Ross he's a funny. He is
2: funny, man. We we just make fun of him and joke with him all the time. But he's a fantastic writer. This town's full of talent, man. I'm telling you, this. T- I don't know if there's any other city on earth with as much songwriting
0: talent, especially as, as not what we have per here. capita in an in yeah. an area.
2: Yeah, I know. LA's full. Of, yeah, New York, London, uh, all of you know Austin, Texas. But there's there's something about about Nashville. It's like one big high school. You know what I mean? Good and bad. Yeah, it's like you know. I, I heard something in this co-write, and then tomorrow I told what I heard and next thing you know, you, you know it's like going from English to history class and you hear Brad and Jenny broke up you know what I mean it's like rumors not, you can't say anything without the whole row knowing it in, in 30 minutes you
0: know but it's awesome I'm gonna run through a few of these I wrote this for Thomas Rhett with Thomas Rhett ain't right. a funny how I don't think you'll care. He texted me about that song a couple weeks ago. He was like, hey, what do you think about this song? Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you think about it? I think it's a great song. Yeah. He's like, you think it works? I was like, yeah, of course it works. Yeah, that's a real one, man. That's that's, one. That, that was what he said. He said, is it too real? I said, you can't be too real. Like, yeah.
1: But there's no such thing <laughs> as
0: too real. <laughs> yeah, he's a warrior, man. Just
2: like, you know, they, I mean, all artists. It doesn't matter how successful. I've, I've, I've been around the most successful people in country music. And, um, you know, I've gotten to know him really well. You know, and the fans think, God, they just got it together, and their life's awesome, and they don't worry about nothing. I was like, dude, you have no idea how much your hero
0: worries. I wrote, I just finished my second book, and I wrote a whole thing about that where it doesn't matter how big the artist is, they're still reading the, the, the negative thing somebody says on Twitter and calling their other super famous friends. Going, man, this is really bumming me out. Yeah, like, it, humans are human. No I mean, matter. Thomas
2: Rhett deleted. He had not been on Instagram in forty days. You know, because he can't. He could have. He he gets. 500,000 likes every picture he puts on there, and you know, 20,000 comments or whatever. If 19,999 said you're the greatest thing God ever created, and one dude says you ain't country, he's done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like that's that's the one comment, but I was like that too. It was like That one, that one guy at the show that just wouldn't tap his foot, that was just staring at me like you suck. You know, I (laughs) I thought about him the rest of the night instead of the other people that that like the show. I just think that's creative people. These are our babies. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, you're an artist. It's like you write something, you play something, you do your show. Once one person calls in and is like, "Dude, you're terrible." You know, you're not funny. Whatever. It
0: does hang with you. It bothers
2: you because this is your baby. You know. So, but it's cool that 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 our biggest heroes and our art and favorite artists. Or just humans also.
0: Yeah, you don't grow out of having natural human feelings. Because they had, our <clears> heroes <throat> had them as they were in their uh, less than mature stages of artistry. Yeah. And they don't go away. If anything, they may get worse. Mm-hmm. And so, man, let me run through these. Okay. When she, when says, she baby, says
2: baby. baby.
0: Got, made you a couple bucks. Oh, no, Love Aldine, man. Look at this guy. How about... Got your hands up, I don't want this night to end. Let me ask you this: Are there any number ones that you just don't remember writing?
2: No, because I'm a. Um, well, they all. Everybody calls me the you know human jukeboxer. ask Rhett, he knows. You know what I mean? I don't know why that my brain always just remembers songs and things. Um, I guess because I'm so amazed that we wrote something that worked. I, I do remember pretty much every situation. That's one of the first songs we wrote with uh, with Luke. We wrote that, gosh, in like 2000. Nine or ten. This one? Got your hands
0: up. You're what about writing with Thomas Rhett? How is that How's that dynamic now? It's awesome, man. It's,
2: it's never – we've been writing I, – I could send you pictures of me and him, videos of him when he's eight years old and we're writing songs together. We've always done it for fun. Never in a million years, you know, did we think we'd be doing it professionally together. But it's, it's not weird at all. You would think, you know, we're writing a love song. It's, it seems weird, like – Let's write a let's let's write a love song with your son or with my dad. Well, I don't know what's weirder. You like write a love song with my dad right now. You know what I mean? But um, we're just buddies. I mean, I'm still his dad, and I, you know, and uh, we still have that role where he's my son and I'm his dad. But at, but at the same time, we've grown to be buddies also. You know, and so we can just sit in a room together and 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 write anything. And and uh, life changes was, was one of those where we just told the truth about his story.
0: Star of the Show. Yeah. Everybody's
2: Jam. Dude, you know we wrote that in 2010. It sat for a while, huh? There's no demo of it. He found it on YouTube.
0: So he found what on YouTube? He found
2: himself singing it at a radio station in 2011.
0: Yeah. And thought, oh, I forgot yeah. that song. Yeah.
2: And a lot of his fans had, had searched all his YouTube videos and they found it. They, when are you going to put Star of the Show out? You know, and so, um, when they did the deluxe package on on his last album, um, he said, yeah this, "Yeah, this song's just been sitting around, and all my fans hear it. And they request it and my meet and greets and stuff." And he goes, "Let's do it." So that Years one sat around. Later. He thought, That's you know, he, well, he thought it was too progressive. You know, like he, that doesn't sound progressive. I mean, it sounds a little pop, but it doesn't sound way out of the box. But in 2010 or, or 11, gosh, that was that was like Bruno Mars or something, yeah, you know, for country. And it goes country. Like- Most nervous i ever been about a song in my life. This one? Yeah. Why? Because Thomas Rhett had already had two singles out before this one. He had Beer with Jesus and uh, Something to Do with My Hands, and they both went to about 15. And um, he was worried. The label, you know, was like, we really got, we need, I mean, we've done good, and we're happy with what we've done, but we we need a smash. And um, I think I heard, I, you played it. The first time when you when you said, okay, guys, you know, this is a brand new one from Thomas Rhett." Like, I almost threw up. Not, not like, As soon as I went... Eh, down, eh, I was like, this is not a hit. It's not a hit. It's not a hit. I was like, I've ruined my son's career. He's done. Like, I was panicking when you played that song.
0: At what point did you go, okay, I think we got it?
2: When he played... Um, I went on the road with him, and he played in Missouri at this little club called the Blue Note. And this song, I mean, I don't even think it was out of the 30s or whatever. It was probably a 600-seat college crowd uh, they went nuts as soon as as soon as they went those drums came on and the down, down, down the crowd went nuts and sang every single word
0: and that's like okay you I see, was you, like you see the upcoming hit that? yeah
2: exactly but that one worried me I mean I'm, I'm nervous <laughs> I'm nervous every time one of my singles comes out but it was when it's on your with your kid it's like if it fails then I you know I ruin my son's life you know yeah. I think about that with every artist. I mean, if, if Luke puts a song out, I'm just like, gosh, Lord, please don't let this be the one that doesn't work, you know. I don't want to be the guy, you know, that screwed Luke, Luke up. But it's very nerve-wracking when it's your own kid. It's like watching him pitch in the World Series, you know. It's I like don't. you can't watch it, but you have to watch it, and you're nervous of everything they're doing.
0: Well, I, I, I've enjoyed you coming over to the house. Thank I pre- you. I appreciate that. That's a-
2: well, I think we're hanging out again coming up. I think we're going to this wrestling
0: thing. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, we are. If you're going... Yeah, we're... yeah, it's uh, Mankind, Mick Foley. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Whichever the many names. That's funny because <laughs> we are going to do that. Speaking of wrestling, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Mick, he's telling a story and it's like a at a comedy club. Right. But it's freaking Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack. Yeah, man. That's going to be Do you remember it's the Cactus awesome. Jack days when he was Cactus Jack?
2: Barely. I mean, like, I think I was out of wrestling by that point, you know, but... I don't. I don't. He wasn't. A, a George. He wasn't huge in the the uh,
0: southeast. I don't think. It's it's funny when you said that. You know, Georgia. What was because mid south is where I was. Georgia from. Championship. Georgia Wrestling Championship. Because we in,
2: had like Bob and Brad Armstrong. Mm-hmm. It was mostly like local Atlanta wrestlers.
0: But and, that's what turned into WCW, exactly. and then Turner had it because mm-hmm. it was in Atlanta. Because yeah. you know TBS was in Atlanta, right, mm-hmm. which turned it into the national. Just
2: like the Braves. I mean, that's why yeah. the Braves were America's favorite team, because everybody got to see them. That's how I knew who Dale Murphy was. Exactly. He was. I was a huge Dale Murphy freak, man.
0: I, so I'm a diehard Cubs fan, mm-hmm. partially for the same reason, because WGM was in everybody's right. house. Yeah. You go up in Arkansas, you don't have a team. And so my stepdad was a huge Cubs fan, because he got to watch them pass it on to me. So the same thing, I had to watch the Braves, because the Cubs would never play at night. This is still day game yeah, day only because they didn't yeah, have lights. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched the Cubs in the daytime, get home from school, and then I watched the Braves. Yeah, my grandma play got
2: WGN too, so we watched them and like Bozo the Clown. and Dude, Bozo the – yeah. The freaking grand prize game where you throw yeah, the ball in the yeah. you know, the six cups. Yeah, and I would have never seen it without cable TV. Try so. I get that
0: swim bicycle <laughs> if you get number six? I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming you. by. I know you got some uh, hit songs to go write. Uh, but uh, good talking to you. Now when I see you, I'll be like, hey, yeah. remember me? My name's <laughs> Billy. Remember he came over to my house? Yeah. We'll see you next time here on The Bobbycast. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tikovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tecova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecova's has first-wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T E C O V A S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and
2: gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)